0: Welcome everybody to Bridge Builders Communities Church Sermon Podcast. You are listening to one of our messages from our weekly gathering. We hope that you sit back and enjoy and be blessed. You know what I love about the cross and the tomb? I love the fact that they're empty. The cross is empty. Jesus hung on it. Jesus died on it. It was awful. It was hideous. Brutal. Ugly. But it's empty. Jesus died. He was in that tomb for three days. Body's dead. But that tomb is empty. He rose out of that grave victorious. And so can we. Jesus loves me. This I know. Because He left the cross and He left the tomb empty. It is empty. And because they're both empty, He can address the emptiness of our soul this morning. The emptiness of our heart this morning. The emptiness that we feel on a day-to-day basis for a multitude of reasons. He can fill it with Himself. Because both the cross and the tomb are empty. Do you know that they're empty? They're really, really Absolutely, completely empty. I want you to imagine, place yourself 2,000 years ago on Resurrection Day. The news is starting to spread that Jesus is alive. Not everybody is comprehending what this means yet, but the news is starting to spread around Jerusalem. I want you to place yourself there for a minute. And I want you to think, who do you think is the most happiest person that Sunday? Mary, Mary's mom, certainly a good one, anybody else is happy, Jesus, Jesus is happy, Jesus is thrilled, <laughs> Jesus Jesus is strutting around, he's so happy, disappearing, reappearing, messing with people's minds, who else is happy that morning, Peter? Maybe the apostles are finally figuring it out. Maybe they're, they're just really getting excited now. It's not the person I'm thinking of, but who else is happy this morning? (laughs) Kelsey's happy. That's good. Those are all great things, all great people. I am sure once it started to sink into their, in their minds, they were thrilled. They were probably scared still. They were probably just The Bible says wondering. They were just all over the place with their thoughts and their emotions. But it's not the person I'm thinking of. Not Jesus, not the apostles, not Mary. There is someone who is absolutely thrilled. Beyond a shadow of a doubt, I know he had to be. I'm sure God the Father was happy. Absolutely. Not the person I'm thinking of. I have to admit, when I started to... Sermon prep for this a couple months ago because I haven't preached in a couple months it seemed like. This really was a strange thought even for me. I think that the person that was, without a doubt, one of the happiest people walking around on Sunday morning was Barabbas. Barabbas. Think about it. This man was a condemned criminal. The Bible says that he was a rebel. Basically, this man was a Jewish freedom fighter who was arrested for murdering someone during a rebellion. Considering the political climate of that time, it more likely was a rebellion against the Roman government, the government authorities, and the murder was probably a Roman soldier. So Barabbas was condemned to die. Sent to prison, death sentence. This man was toast, as was the custom of that day. We don't know if it really was a Roman custom or a Jewish custom. But Pilate used it often to to gain political favor. That during a celebration or a feast, they would release a prisoner from jail. And since he really didn't know what to do with Jesus... He thought he would probably put one of the worst case scenarios of a prisoner up against Jesus. And this would just give him the out that he was looking for. Because he didn't have an answer to the Jesus question. So he brings out Barabbas. A murderer. And sets him up against Jesus saying this is going to be a slam dunk for me. I'm going to be able to answer this. I'm going to be free from this question. And the crowd messes it up. And they choose Barabbas. Over Jesus. Jesus, who was innocent, is condemned to die. And Barabbas goes free. Barabbas' name is really interesting. Bar, B-A-R, means son of in the Hebrew. Do you see what else is in that word Barabbas? It's the name Abba. So his name means son of the father. Barabbas, son of the father, was set free by the son of God. The whole story of Barabbas, we come time, sometimes we, we, we just, we just, we rush right by it. Sorry, I speaking in tongues there, sorry. <laughs> it's such a beautiful picture of the redemption story. The guilty go free. The prisoners are set free. Someone who was in rebellion and a traitor gets pardoned. Someone's debt is paid in full by someone else. Can you see the redemption story here? It's part of the trial of Jesus himself. And yet, it is an example of redemption for you and me. Because I don't know about you this morning, but sometimes, (laughs) I'm still in rebellion. Sometimes my heart is a traitor to the Lord. I not only needed a Messiah, I still need a Messiah. I need to know that Jesus loves me. Enough to die in my place. To sacrifice his freedom for my freedom. See, I I need that. I I desperately need to know that. That redemption is possible. And that's what the story of Barabbas tells us right there. Nice and easy, quick and easy. And We see it so plainly, but sometimes we just rush right by it. Why do we have to pause during this season a lot more than what we do? summoned of the father gets set free by the son of God it's a beautiful picture of of redemption I needed Jesus you need Jesus to stop the rebellion <laughs> in its tracks I needed Jesus to finish it for me and he did John 19 30 says this when Jesus had received the sour wine this is him hanging on the cross he said it is finished and he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit Those three words are actually, you know, it is finished is actually one word in the Greek. Tetelestai. Tetelestai. It means to be done, to be completely ended. But it's so much more because it was used as a uh, transactional word and it was also used as a legal word uh, in the Greek world. So when it was used as a transactional word, it meant that the bill was paid in full. The bill was completely, the debt was cancelled. And so when someone sold something and, and someone bought it and paid all the money that they were supposed to, the merchant would write ketelestai on it. it means this thing. This thing is paid for. Completely. The debt is gone. This word had such a sense of completeness with it. It meant it is finished. It will stand finished. And it will always be finished. It was finished in the past. It is finished now. And it will be finished in the future. Nothing more can be done. That's what this word means in the transactional use of it. People understood that that's what it meant when you said to us Now. gets even more interesting in the legal realm. If you were arrested and thrown into prison during this time your list of crimes was posted on the door to your cell. So everyone could see how bad you were. So they could see each and every crime that you have committed or were accused of or you were placed in prison for. When your sentence was over the judge would write to Telestai across that and give you the paperwork. Why did he give you the paperwork? So if someone came up to you and said, I don't believe you're innocent, you would just go to telestai. I got proof. I got proof. A lot of times, that's why I think what happens, we have to remember something. The enemy walks around and he wants to hang this sign on us. Guilty. You're guilty. And for some strange reason we hang on to it. As if the lie is real. As if we are guilty. Am I the only one that walks around feeling guilty at times? What this word means is what Jesus did for us is he wrote to tell us die across guilty. So when the enemy comes and accuses us to be guilty we just go No. Tetelestai, my debt is canceled. It's not just paid for. It's eradicated. It means it never existed. To Tetelestai, it is finished. It will always be finished. It will never happen again. That's the blood of Jesus. Tetelestai, you're just not excited enough yet. So we're going to go a little bit further. Jesus spoke, and, and most of the Jews around the time spoke in Aramaic, which was kind of a blend of Hebrew. Okay. This is what they spoke. So when Jesus was on the cross, he didn't say Greek at his finish. He said it in Aramaic. You want to hear what it says? What it means? Are you sure? Because you weren't excited before. Here's what it means in the Aramaic. Jesus was saying, It is perfected. Nothing else needs to be done. It is perfected. Nothing else needs to be done. Hello? It is perfected. Nothing else needs to be done. You are free. To tell us that. Completely free. Not only is guilt eradicated, the stigma of guilt is eradicated. This is the blood of Jesus, which cleanses us from all sin. And forgiveness does this to a human soul. So when the enemy comes against us and says, Oh, I still think you're guilty. I say, Oh, I know you're wrong. <laughs> because I have this word written on me. And, and Jesus says, It is perfected. Nothing else needs to happen here. It's done. Whew. This is what makes Romans 8.1 so powerful. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We are no longer condemned prisoners. We are no longer condemned prisoners. Jesus was crucified on a cross. So I want you to realize that you can stop crucifying yourself. Jesus walked out of a tomb and that tomb is empty so you no longer have to stay in one. You can walk out of that tomb. You have resurrection power in you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead. The cross is unoccupied. The tomb is empty. It is finished. It will always be finished. But sometimes I think we we still want to hang on to that that guilty sign. I don't feel so powerful this morning, Jay. Uh, I feel like my past is way stronger than what you're talking about this morning. My mistakes, my failures, my sin, uh, the, the ways I screwed up. Man, that's just, that's way too powerful this morning. I, I, I feel like they, they, they're just way too powerful. And I'm, my question for us this morning is, when did our feelings negate the power of God's resurrection power in us? How did that happen? When we say that how we feel is stronger than what God's word says. It's because we still choose to live in a tomb that we've been set free from. And God wants to set us free. He really does. So my prayer for you is in from Ephesians 1, 19 to 20 says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great His power is to help those who believe Him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated Him in the place of honor at God's right hand in heaven. That is tomb emptying we need to look at empty tombs. I think sometimes that as Americans, because this is such an American thing, uh, I don't know if other countries do the same thing that we do, but we, we treat tombs like storage units. And we rent them to hold our junk. And then when we fill up one, we buy another one. We rent another one to keep on filling it up with junk. Emotional junk, spiritual junk, things that hold us captive. We rent these things out, we pay good money for it, Spiritual It costs us. Why do we do this to ourselves? When the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is in us. Yeah, it's the same power. And yet we back into these t- t- tomb storage units, and we and then we close the door behind us. Yeah, we hide. The same power that is in us to those who believe. In Luke twenty four. The women of God bless the women. <laughs> they go to the tomb. Men are somewhere hiding. God bless the women. They get there, and the angel says, "You know what? He's not here. He's risen." As if to say, "Where are you looking for life? It's not in a tomb. So why do you keep on looking to, at dead places for life? This this place is empty. He's risen. You don't have to look here. And yet, we do." the enemy wanted that tomb to remain sealed he wanted that stone to stay in place he he wanted the people just to to just leave it undisturbed because an empty tomb poses a problem to the enemy i know one person who was not thrilled that day and that was the enemy because an empty tomb means you and i are free It means you and I are powerful. Because we have the same power that's in us. How could we not be anything but powerful this morning? Not in ourselves. But we have the same power that raised Jesus from the dead in us. Hello? This is good news. This is the best news. He's not here. He has risen. See, Jesus didn't just survive his death. He defeated death. See, this is the beauty of it. On the cross, he defeats sin. Resurrection defeats death. That's a great one-two punch. It really is. You see, the enemy can't stand against that. So he comes walking around seeking who he may devour with lies and deceits and threats against who we are. But we are sons and daughters of the Most High God who has been set free. And we say, die." It is so finished. You're so finished. Because of what Jesus has done for us. Romans 6, 7-11. We know that sin doesn't have power over dead people. As surely as we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We know that death no longer has any power over Christ. He died and he was raised to life, never again to die. When Christ died, he died for sin once and for all. But now he's alive and he lives only for God. In the same way, you must think of yourselves as dead to the power of sin. But Christ has given life to you and you live for God. That is huge and so freeing. So freeing. So when God raids a tomb, and God is the best tomb raider there ever has been, (laughs) he empties it completely. There are no survivors in an empty tomb. There are no victims in an empty tomb. There are no dead people in an empty tomb. See, there are only sons and daughters that walk out in victory from a tomb. Jesus leaves all his death clothes in the tomb. Every symbol of his death and suffering, he leaves it there. He leaves it behind. And he walks out in victory and newness of life to the same newness of life that we can. We are supposed to leave those grave clothes behind. Everything that defiles us. Everything that reminds us of the dead people we were. We leave it in the tomb. We don't walk around with it. Or we shouldn't walk around in it. But it seems like sometimes we just continue to wrap ourselves in it. God wants us free from that today. Today is Resurrection Sunday. Tomorrow is Resurrection Monday. Tuesday is Resurrection Tuesday. Wednesday is Resurrection Wednesday. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we start over again. Every day is Resurrection Day. When you're a son and daughter of the Most High God. Every morning, and mercies are new every morning. Amen. Romans 6.4, we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, in order that as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. That Greek word for newness means to be completely different than what you were before. That's a new identity in Jesus This is why we can walk in newness of life. Not because we're so great, but because He's great in us. He has made us righteous. We stand before a holy God because of the blood of Jesus, because of what He's done for us. That makes us powerful sons and daughters. Not only can we escape the tomb, we walk out of the tomb in victory. We don't just crawl out of a tomb. We walk out of a tomb in victory. To tell us that it is perfected. Nothing else can can be done. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Jesus in John 11, 25-26 said, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in with me shall never die. And then he asked this huge question. Do you believe this? Do you believe this? Do you believe that you can walk in newness of life? And Jesus says, will you let me define what new looks like? Will you let me define what new looks like? Would you let me define what life looks like? Will you let me empty your tomb this morning? Will you let me free you from your grave clothes this morning? See, the cross is empty. The tomb is empty. But Jesus wants to fill our hearts with all of himself. He wants to fill our life with all of who He is. He wants to fill our thoughts, our opinions, our values, everything that makes us us. He wants to fill it with Himself so that we could be free. And there might just be a few of us still kind of like coming at the outside of the tomb and we're just got like our. Fingertips holding on to it for some strange reason. Jesus says, I, I just want you to come out. Just come out of that place. That place is dead. It's defiled. It's, it's, there's no newness in there whatsoever. But outside is newness of life. There's freedom. There's power. There's redemption. Romans 8.32 He who did not spare his own son... Gave him up for us all. How will he, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Not some things. Not a few things. All things. Everything that we need for life and godliness. Everything to walk the life as a son and daughter of the most high. Even on the days where you think you've got nothing left. And the enemy's right here. And you're 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 believing every lie. I have those days. I was having a few of those days. Until I remember to tell us that. It is finished. It is perfected. Nothing else can be done. Nothing else needs to be done. Glory, hallelujah. Amen. Yeah. Father, thank you for loving us so well, so completely that you did not even spare your own son for us.